planks in them. I'm a fill-in-the-blank kind of guy. If you're, if you're kind of obsessive-compulsive like me, you won't leave until every blank is filled in today. If you're not obsessive-compulsive, that's okay. These are good for doodling on the back or making paper airplanes or starting small fires. Please do not do either the airplanes or the fires here. But whatever you feel so led to do um, with these, I think you may find them helpful. I'd like you to pull the why do we pray one out first, and then that's going to appear thanks to uh, Dustin on the screen up here in just a moment. But I'd like you to pray with me first for just a moment, and then we'll dig into what God has to say to us. Heavenly Father, um, I stand before you this morning recognizing that I have nothing to say. I never do. I can talk a lot, and I've spent a lot of time in my life talking. But the stuff that's mine means nothing. The stuff that's yours, the living, active Word of God, that changes eternity forever. So we pray, erase my stuff. Erase our stuff. But that which is from you, you establish in this place. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord our rock, and my redeemer. Amen. A church having a prayer conference. How unusual is that? Right? Everybody knows that prayer is what you're supposed to do, right? If you just put that first slide up there, Dustin, for me. We all know we're all supposed to pray. I I found an old quote by an old guy, Martin Luther, uh, founder of the uh, Protestant Reformation. He said this, Um, To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than being alive without breathing. Right? Well, if there's anything every Christian of every brand agrees, prayer, prayer, that's important. Prayer is is really valuable. Uh, There's a very wise person who said, prayer is the most assumed thing we never do. In other words, not you, but Christians you know, right? You Christians, you know, sometimes we, we talk more about prayer than we actually do it. And part of that, I think, may be because of the fact that some of us don't quite understand why it is that we're asked to pray. After all, if God knows everything we're thinking, why do we have to even talk about it? Right? If he already knows, why don't we just go, hmm, okay, there, good, you know, let's move on. What is this prayer thing about? It's interesting. The Pew Research Group says that 55% of all Americans say they pray every day. 55% of all Americans say they pray every day. What? And get this. Here's the crazy. The same group says this. Of that group, less than half of them believe anybody's listening. Okay, so, so prayer is, what, what is this thing called prayer if 55% of all Americans do it every day, but less than half of them actually think anybody's paying attention? What is prayer? What is this reason for? And why are we asked by God to pray, right? Why is this so important? Well, I want to point out an, an important, common, mistaken view of prayer. This is the idea that most people have about prayer. And by the way, prayer is not, uh, not special to the Christian faith, right? Um, Muslims pray. Hindus pray. Buddhists pray. Prayer is part of religious activity. And there's a reason for that, because it's often understood as a religious transaction. It is a God, supposedly, in the mind of many, a God-sanctioned uh, way of playing let's make a deal with the divine. 
Prayer is something I have to do because it's a religious activity. Let me explain religion to you. Religion, and this is the wrong view, but it's a common view. Not you, but people you know. Christians you know hold this position. Religion is the things I have to do to make God happy so he'll give us what we want and leave us alone. That's what religion is, in a nutshell. Religion is the stuff I have to do to make God happy so he'll give me what I want and leave me alone. And religion is a time-honored thing. You go back 500 years before Jesus. You go up to the temple of Zeus, right? You walk up to the temple of Zeus in, let's say, Athens. And you say, here, I am here to uh, talk to Zeus. And the priest of Zeus comes out and says, did you bring a goat? Yes, I brought a goat. Well, you need a goat. Good. Um, What else do I need to do? Well, you need to take that goat up there, throw that goat on the altar, light it on fire. Great. That's what I'll do. I'll go up there, set the goat on fire, light on fire. The priest says, now, say these six incantations seven times over. Okay, I say all those six incantations every time over. Do we throw a little incense on? Yep. Whoosh. And and the guy turns to the priest and goes, is Zeus happy with me yet? Is Zeus okay with me now? He's got the goat. He's got the incantations. We're good. I can leave. I can go back to my real life because I'm a little nervous about Zeus and that whole lightning bolt thing. Right? Oh, no. No, you did the goat. You did the incantations. You're good. Except for the little detail. Leave a drachma or two in the bucket on your way out. Make sure you throw that in. Got it. But then if I leave today, priest of Zeus, are we good? Yes, you're good. Man, I'm good. That's religion. Religion is things I have to do to make God happy so he'll leave me alone. And not you, but Christians you know sometimes have an understanding of the Christian life in general and prayer in particular as a religious exercise. Let me explain it. Take a look. Here are the things, but you ask Christians what it means to be a Christian. And many of them will say, well, being a, what things you got to do to be a Christian, well, Christians go to church. Amen. How often? You know what the, uh, the statistics now suggest? A regular churchgoer goes to church 40 out of 52 weeks a year. 40 out of 52 weeks a year, right? So that means you can miss one. Sorry, Pastor. You can miss one every, every month and still be considered regular as an attender, right? Number, number two. Well, well what, else, what do I need to do to be an even better Christian? Well, to be a better Christian, you need to do devotions. Now, we, we, I put that in quotes because that's sort of an American Christian code phrase. Do you devotion? I devotion. Do we do devotions? That's a Bible reading and study that I do every morning. How long? Five minutes of reading, five minutes of prayer. That's good. You want to be holier? Ten minutes of reading and ten minutes of prayer. That's even better. Oh, really, really holy? Fifteen minutes of Bible reading and fifteen minutes of prayer. Now? Okay, good. So now I'm a better Christian, yes? But what makes me a better Christian? Oh, I attend extra services. If they have extra services, I go not only to Sunday morning, but I go to Sunday night, and I go to Wednesday night, and I go to all the special services. That makes me a better Christian, right? But what if I need to be a better Christian? Well, I need to behave better than the average bear, better than 7 out of 10 people in the Walmart checkout line, right? How hard is that? Look next time in the Walmart checkout line. Just check it out. Go, Lord, I think I'm pretty good. I think I got it. So now 10 people. In, okay, but I want to be a better Christian. What do I need to do? Well, you need to give. If, you, if, you're really, if you're really holy, you tithe. If you're even holier, you tithe on the gross and not the net, right? And that makes you even a better Christian. And then what else? I serve in the church. The ushers ush, the deacons deek, the elders eld. Yes? And we serve in the church. All of this is about things I do or things I don't do. And that somehow makes me a better Christian. Brothers and sisters, i got to be really honest with you and say, that's not a whole lot different than what our Muslim 
persons will say. You go to mosque, you keep your nose clean, you do your five prayers five times a day, you do the things you're supposed to do, you follow the five pillars of Islam, and God, Allah goes, great, I like you now, I won't fry you at the end. There are a lot of people who understand prayer in particular and Christianity in general as religion. And it's so sad, as you all would know, because never, ever, people say, you know, I'm not interested in Christianity because I don't like religion. I go, that's great, neither did Jesus. Jesus didn't like religion either. Next slide, if you would, Dustin. Jesus is not interested in religion. He is interested in relationship. Jesus is not interested in religion, the things I got to do, the things I go to and don't do. He is interested in relationship. If you look at the bottom of that slide just before, it said Pharisees. There's a reason for that. If religion did it, the Pharisees would have been good. They were the most religious people of their day. And yet they and Jesus kind of butted heads more than once, did they not? Because Jesus wasn't about religion. He's about relationships. So whatever prayer is about, prayer is not about a religious transaction. I go say this just right. Do this this many times. I say these things in this order. Say this and not that. Go how long? 10 minutes? 15 minutes? If, if, I, you know, if I say it out loud, if I say it don't, quietly, if I use King James-ish, if I don't use King James-ish, what, the, this transaction that I have in prayer, somehow do it. You know how I know so many Christians think that way about prayer? Because they're so scared to death to do it. Only 2% of Americans say they pray out loud. That 55% that pray every day, only 2% of them say they ever pray out loud. Because we're afraid we might mess it up. Not you, I know. Not you. But we're afraid we're going to mess it up. Because we misunderstand this. He's got, Jesus is not interested in religion. He is interested in relationship. Um, listen to Jesus speak. They come, the, the, the teacher, Mark, uh, in Mark 12, verses 28, 33, the teacher comes to Jesus. He hears Jesus as this incredible unpacker of Scripture. He speaks as one who has authority. And so they come to him, and, and they ask, he asks him this question. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating and noticing Jesus giving them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which one's the most important? Okay, so which rule, which religious rule is the most important one we need to know so that God will be happy and he won't zot us with a lightning bolt at the end? Which one's the most important rule of the 613 in the Old Testament? Jesus goes, most important rule isn't a rule. Most important rule is relationship. Hear this, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no one but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all those religious things and do's and don'ts. Then all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Love God, love people. An up relationship with God, an in relationship with brothers and sisters, an out relationship with those who don't know him yet. That is the essence of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's a relationship. So whatever prayer is, it has primarily to do not with transactions and right ways and wrong ways. It has to do with developing a relationship. With God. 
I can prove that by, by doing the in the garden test. Put this next one. The in the garden observation. How many of you know that hymn? I grew up in the hills of northern Pennsylvania, more deer than people. Lots more deer than people. I was the pianist for the Sunday school class. Don't be impressed. There were six of us. All right, so... We, we would open up the, we'd open up the hymn book, and we'd pull all those, and, and, and there's one hymn that would come up over and over again as a request, in the garden. You know it? I come to the garden of all, right? And the chorus goes like this, right? And they, they want this sung at their funeral. Many people want this sung at their funerals. It's a classic funeral hymn. Listen to it carefully. And I went to church and I paid my tithe. And I tried to keep my nose clean. And I'm better than the average bear. So you should let me in. No! Nobody sings that version. Listen to this. And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Hear the relationship dripping from that? He walks with me, and he talks with me. Whatever prayer is, it is primarily a, a, a relational process. Why we pray is because we need to develop our relationship with the living God. So we can get to know him better. It is relational communication. Hence the importance in scripture of the word to know. To know. Listen to Jesus speak. It isn't about religious behavior. It's who you know. And whether he knows you. That's relationship language. Listen to Jesus talk here for a minute. This isn't me. Better let Jesus talk. You better have verses for that, Capar. I do. Okay, Jesus. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Great. That's good. What's the will? What do I need to do? What do I not need to do? What, what behavior do I have? What stuff do I need? I'll do it and then we'll be good, right? And then Jesus goes, no. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, look, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, you have escaped the lightning bolt. No. Listen to what he says. Depart from me. What? I never. Wow. Do you hear that? I never knew you. Whatever that is, it's about relationship. Then he says, away from me, you evildoers. In fact, you ask a hundred Christians what eternal life is, and a hundred Christians will tell you it's living forever. And I go, ah, that's not what Jesus said. Everybody lives forever. It's just a matter of your final address. Eternal life is not living forever. Jesus never said such a thing. This is what Jesus said. Take a look at this next verse. Now this is eternal life. Listen, listen, this is important. That they... Oh, there it is again. That they know you, the only true God, 
and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is critical that we get our hearts around, brothers and sisters. The Christian life is about a relationship in which we pursue a God who has already pursued us. And amazingly, the God who spins galaxies into existence for fun. I don't know what I'll do today. That God goes, I want to know you. I want to hear your heart. I want you to know me. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to, I want to communicate and speak and share. I don't want religion. Prayer is primarily a relationship skill. I pray to build my relationship with God so I can know his heart more and more. So I can bring my heart. I'm having a conversation with God regularly so that we can go, hey, what do you think about this? Hey, what do you know about that? Well, here's where I am. What do you think? Check my heart. Check my skills. Right? Check my, check my behavior. Check my attitudes, Lord. I want to be in the flow of who you are. We pray so that our lives can become ever more congruent with his. That's why we pray. We don't pray to make six things happen and let's make a deal. If I say this three times this way or seven times that way, then does it work? That's magic. That's not prayer. Hence my frustration with the way that many Christians, not you, but Christians you know, Apply this whole idea of praying in the name of Jesus. And what I mean by that is, we almost, not you, but Christians you know, treat that like it's some kind of magical incantation at the, incantation at the end. Lord, I want a Cadillac. In the name of Jesus. That means you've got to give it. Lord, I want happiness, joy, and lots of cash. In Jesus' name. Yes. I've got the magical incantation. I'll say it three times. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Because you said, if I pray in Jesus' name, you got to do it. Jesus goes, I don't do magical incantations, Jesus says. Well, then what do you mean, Jesus, when you say stuff like this? Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. This is extra for a little bit later. Do you actually believe that? i got to be honest. Sometimes I don't believe that. Sometimes I don't believe that, he, that, that we are going to do greater things than Jesus. The best we could hope for, right, was to, was to get to heaven someday because of what Jesus has done for us. And yet Jesus says, you will do greater things than I've been doing. What does he mean? Okay, we'll talk about that later. And I will do, listen, whatever you ask in my name. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. There you go, Kepard. It's a one-to-one correspondence. It's a magical incantation. I just say, in Jesus' name at the end and everything happens. See, we're Americans. And we miss the biblical understanding of name. If there's anything important that you learn from Scripture, names mean something. Right? Jacob, schemer. Grabber, right? He's born grabbing his brother's heel. And it also means schemer. And if there's anybody who was a schemer, it was Jacob. But God changes his name to Israel. Yes? The name gets changed. Jesus changes Simon's name to 
rock because names mean something. They, they say something about character in Scripture. It's not just a label. Hi, I'm Jeff. That's my label. I could be Joe, but I happen to be Jeff. It's just a label. Right? No. In Scripture, names mean something. So we don't even usually know the guy who Scripture refers to as Barnabas by his real name because he only gets mentioned once with his real name. In Acts, Joseph, remember? Of course you do. But we don't know him as Joseph because he gets named by the group as Barnabas, which means encourager. And so Barnabas becomes Barnabas, the encourager. Simply put, when Scripture says, when Scripture uses name, it means character. When Jesus says, if you pray in my name, it means pray in keeping with my character, in keeping with what I would say. Here you go. If you pray what I would pray, I will certainly do it. Well, how do I know what Jesus... Exactly, that's what prayer is. It's the process of getting to know Jesus relationally so that I will ask what he would want. That's how Jesus taught us to pray. This then is how you should pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. My kingdom come, Jesus. My will be done in Jesus' name. No, that isn't what it says. Hallowed be your, or, or, hallowed be your name, right? Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Lord, I want what you want. And if we pray, knowing what God wants, God will certainly answer because that's what God wants. And I pray to get to know what God wants. (laughs) I get to know him in his heart. And we have this conversation. And he knows my heart. I know his heart. And the more I get incongruent with him, the more I ask exactly what he would want me to ask because I get to know the guy. You become like those people you hang out with over time, right? Got me so far? Are you ready? To, no one's storming out yet. That's, that's good. Uh, remember, remember my rule. At the end, if the pastor says, ignore everything he said, you ignore everything I said. That's the rule. But so far, a pastor hasn't thrown anything at me. But he is a long ways back there. Um, and I took all the tomatoes before I came. But anyway, uh, you, you understand the principle. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Pray my heart, Jesus says. Pray my, with my character. Pray for that which I would pray for. And I promise you I'll do it because it's right in the flow of what I want. Okay, next slide. The purpose of prayer is to build my relationship with God so that my heart resonates with his heart. It's what we always sing. I'm just not convinced that I always want to do it. It's a whole lot easier to sing. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Really? Really? You sure you want that? I need you. Oh, I need you every hour. I need you. Are you sure? Do we really want, what do, you, do we want him to know us? You know, that's a little scary thought. Right? It's a little bit scary. I, actually, transactional prayer would be really convenient if it worked, wouldn't it? Let's see. Um, take care of all the details of the illness I have in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Yes, we're done, right? But that's not what prayer is for. You got that first issue. I want to clarify that right away. Why do we pray? We don't pray to make things happen. God can perfectly do things without us. Perfectly. And has, by the way. Prayer is not primarily a transactional thing. 
Prayer is primarily a relational thing where I come to God and say, show me who you are, and I want to show you who I am, and we're going to build this relationship together. And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. With me on that so far? Well, if you've survived that long, go to the next page. So if that's the reason for praying, the next question we have to ask is, well, then how do I pray? It's the classic question. Praise God, we're not alone. Jesus' own followers come to him and go, Lord, teach us to pray. How do you have this relational transaction discussion relationship with the living God of the universe? How do I sit down and have coffee with the God who spins galaxies into space for fun? <laughs> 